This is Mitchell McLam, lead pastor of Sapona Road Church in Fayetteville, North Carolina. We're so excited you found our podcast. Our prayer is that you're blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about Sapona Road Church or would like to give to this ministry, please visit our website at saponaroadchurch.com. We hope you have a great day and enjoy today's message. Hallelujah. Thank you for your sweet presence, Holy Spirit. God, I pray that as we move into your word, Father, you open our hearts and our minds to what you would want to say here this morning. Father, as we finish this series of conversations of your kingdom coming on earth as it is in heaven, Father, I pray that you open our minds and our hearts, allow us to be convicted and committed this morning. Lord, to allow in your kingdom to come through us. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amen. You may be seated. There's nothing like being together with people of like faith in the presence of the Lord. Amen. And when we understand the true depth and we understand what it really means that we are forgiven and that we do have the same spirit of our risen King living within us, there's nothing like the opportunity to worship the Lord together. Amen. Amen. Thank you again so much for being here today. We are going to finish this series of conversations today. And I want you to turn to the book of Matthew, chapter 6. And we're going back where we started. We started this some five, six weeks ago. We kind of birthed this out of the prayer that Jesus prayed. And uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 and verse 10. He said, in this manner, therefore, pray. And what he's actually saying, he's already said in verse 7, we can actually jump up. Let's just start at verse 5. And it says, and when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love praying, standing in synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in the secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, don't use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that their words will be heard for their many words. They'll be heard for their many words. And then he says, Therefore do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. I'm thankful for that this morning because there's sometimes I don't even understand what it is that I really need. I may know what I want, but I may not know what I need. Amen? 
And there's some days that I'm just so frustrated with what I probably do need that I don't know how to verbalize it and put it in words to pray to the Father of what I need. You've been there? I'm so thankful that he knows what I need before I ever ask him. And so then in verse 9, he said, In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that's been where we've kind of parked and we've kind of sat for the last uh, several weeks as we've been talking about this conversation as it is in heaven. And we've discovered several different things. We've talked about the kingdom being sovereign. And we talked about in the very beginning of this when, when I tried to introduce this to you. We talked about that the kingdom of heaven, we, we've grown up and we have for years and years we, we think of the kingdom. We've got the mindset that we're headed to the kingdom of heaven, which is an absolutely true statement. There is a day coming when, when we do, uh, the fulfillment is coming and we will receive the full salvation and we'll spend eternity with God. But there's more to the story. <clears throat> because the kingdom, rather than being the actual place, the boundary, the kingdom is more so the act of having a king. It is the state. We talked about boredom, and I told you boredom is just the state of being bored. So a kingdom is the state of having a king. And so rather than looking at the kingdom as a place and understanding it more so as a state or, or this place of, of not necessarily a location, but this place in life that we are, this place in history that we are, the kingdom is not necessarily this place that we're headed to, but it's more so this life that we live. You and I, if we've accepted Christ, the day that Jesus Christ came down, the king came to the earth and his ministry was started from that point forward. And the day that he went on and he was crucified, that was the day that you and I were able to receive the resurrection power. That was when we were able to receive the, the freedom and the authority to act in the name of Jesus. That was the day the kingdom of God was established. So you and I being part of the kingdom, simply accepting Christ as our king, are already living in the kingdom of God. We're already living as part of the kingdom of God. So the whole idea, what we've been trying to grab this, this whole series is, what does that really look like when Jesus prayed this prayer that your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? If we're not careful, we get caught up in the mindset of looking forward to this long day coming in the future when his, when his kingdom would come and his will would be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And sure, maybe that may have been what Jesus was talking about, but I believe much more so that he was talking about, Lord, let your life, let, let my life be an example of who you are. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done through me on earth where I live, as it is, God, in heaven where you are. And we live in this place that that's not an easy concept, but that's been the whole thought through this whole, whole series of conversations is, Lord, let your kingdom come in me. Let me be part of the kingdom. We started out talking about the kingdom being sovereign and the kingdom seeking and the kingdom sowing. So we talked about, first of all, we recognized ourselves as the kingdom. We recognized ourselves as part of the kingdom. You and I have a king. Therefore, we are the kingdom of God. 
The word says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So the kingdom seeks, the kingdom sows. We talked about the, the, there was a parable Jesus is telling. He says, the kingdom of God looks like the farmer who goes out and scatters seed. Well, if we're part of the kingdom of God, then we should be scattering seed. We sow. We talked about that day that there's going to be seed that's thrown out that we see no result, no fruit whatsoever from. There's going to be some that we watch sprout up and wither away. There's going to be some that we watch sprout up and something comes up and drowns it out. But we said that somewhere, according to Jesus, this isn't my words, but according to Jesus, he said that there's going to be some that has to fall on good ground. When it falls on good ground, it's going to return 30, 60, and 100 fold. Therefore, you and I, as the kingdom of God, have to sow. We said the kingdom sows. Then we talked about being kingdom-minded and being uh, kingdom-moved. And we said that we have to change the mindset to understand that we are the kingdom. Everything we do represents the kingdom of God. Everything that we are, every day-to-day activity, we have to get to the mindset where we're fighting the culture. We're fighting this carnal life. We're fighting flesh. Amen? We're fighting what we feel like more times than not. And if I wake up in a good mood or I wake up in a bad mood, that's what we fight. I don't live in a life where I fight all these crazy, terrible temptations. I live in a life where I fight with myself. More times than not, if I'm not being kingdom-minded, it's my fault. And the Word tells us to transform and change our way of thinking. And so we talked about being kingdom-minded, and we talked about being kingdom-moved. That it's, it's our job that we can change our mindset, but then we have to act on the mindset, and we have to walk in that authority. And then we talked about... Uh, last week, we looked at the thought of uh, the kingdom of heaven and, and us going to the place that John talked about in Revelation, where there'll be no more crying, no more sorrow, no more pain, no more tears. And we can sit in, in the already, we talked about the already there, but not yet. And we can sit in this mindset on one extreme where I could sit in my recliner at home and be happy and look forward to the day that Jesus comes and never move and never do anything. And eventually, without exercising my faith, it's going to get weak. Amen? And then we said that if we come to the opposite side of the spectrum and, and we're looking forward and we're working and we're working and we're working and we're working for the right now, right now, right now, we don't have the purpose. We lose the hope of what's coming one day. The, the, the inheritance that is it's, um, without, it's above change and it's above a vow. It can't be touched and, and it's this place that's reserved in heaven. We talked about that every person has a place reserved, regardless of the past, regardless of the way they've been, regardless of the life they live. His word tells us that every person has a place reserved in heaven. It's been reserved a long time ago before the actions were ever made here on this earth. The place in heaven was reserved. The, the, the person that's out, that's not in this building, that's not a part of our church family, that may be not living exactly like hopefully you and I are living, their mansion looks just as good as mine and yours in heaven. So it's mine and your job to let them know, hey, there's something better. And we talked about enduring, and we talked about expectation, and then we talked about engaging the culture that we live in. And so today I just want to sum this up uh, very simply with the idea of let it come and get it done. And so Jesus is praying this prayer, and he says, Lord, he said, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And to start with, he said, let it come, let your kingdom come. Well, we have established from the beginning of this conversation that his kingdom did come. Amen? 
Whether you and I ever accept it or not, whether we ever buy into Christianity, whether we ever buy into Jesus Christ and the salvation of the world, whether me, you, me and you ever personally get into that, that thing, whether we ever get into the kingdom, his kingdom came. It's history. It's fact. Plenty of people would love to, to beat it. They'd love to prove it wrong, but he came. He was here. His kingdom has already been established. And so when Jesus is praying this prayer, he's already here on this earth, and he's teaching his disciples how to pray. He says, let your kingdom come. Well, when you think about that and you know that his kingdom has already come, then what's the point of this statement in this example prayer? Well, I'm glad you asked me. The other night, My other side of my brain, the one that thinks for me a lot of times in a really good way, Pastor Jonathan showed up at my door. He was bringing me some stuff that I had left here. I didn't even realize I had left it. had no idea he was bringing it. I had already got home. I had got comfortable. I was getting ready to put a baby to bed, and I was by no means decent. I'm just being honest with you. And I hear this really faint. I'm like... Really? What in the world? Who's knocking at my They ain't even knocking hard. They're, it's just real gentle because he knows that the babies were going to bed. And I see, I, I didn't know who it was, and we've put these fancy little cheap Amazon awesome little film things over the window so nobody can see in and we can't see out, which is the bad side of this. But, but I see a shadow through the streetlight of Jonathan's little uh, sunglass thing bouncing on the back of his head. And I thought, oh, okay, it's Jonathan. So I have to run to the bedroom, and I have to change clothes, put McCaden down, and I, I don't know what he did. He's just kind of like, what are you doing, Daddy? I put, put McCaden down, changed my clothes, went and opened the door, and Jonathan had called. I didn't have my phone, but he called to tell me he was coming. How different would the story have gone if there had been a situation where I had called him and said, hey, I need you to stop by my house in a few minutes. The situation would have shifted because rather than him showing up and me being completely unprepared for him to be there, 100% appreciative of the fact he brought the junk that I left here. He took it. I'm not, let's not discredit that at all. I'm talking about our relationship with Jesus now, okay? If I had have said, hey, would you please stop by in 20 or 30 minutes? When he'd have come up, first of all, he'd have said, because he wouldn't have been scared of, of, of making this disruption. He'd had no problem whatsoever knocking on my door, ringing the doorbell, because he'd have said, hey, you told me to come, I'm here. And I'd have been there standing there probably in my blue jeans and, and a shirt or something, and I'd open the door and say, hey, come on in. That's not the way it happened that night. But had I been prepared, had I asked him to come, had I been waiting on him, I would have been ready for him when he got there. And so Jesus said, let your kingdom come. Well, his kingdom's already come. He's coming whether we accept it or not. The question is, are we there open and ready and accepting the kingdom into our life? We have to let it come. Jesus said, let your kingdom come. He said, he said, let it come. 
And it spoke directly into my life that I can, I can stand here unprepared, ill-willed, and, and I can just be kind of this fly-by-night Christian walking through my day-to-day life, and God's doing His best knocking on my door. And, and I'm standing there uh, completely not prepared to open the door for the Lord. What are we missing when we live our life like that? Rather than standing there waiting, are you going to knock today, Lord? Are you going to knock? And the second we hear a first little boom, we're opening the door wide open. What you want to do today, God? How you want to make this work? Look at the difference. See, we also have this total different situation. And I hadn't really thought about this till right now. I'm not meaning to keep going back to our, our Saturday night last week, but I want to tell you the only reason all those people showed up is because we invited them. Jesus goes where he's invited. Look at the first miracle of Jesus. You look at the first miracle of Jesus. John chapter 2. You can read where... Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. We ain't even got a clue whose wedding it was. We have no no real thought of of any connection that Jesus should have had, the disciples should have had with the person whose wedding they were attended. I don't know about you, but I don't show up at a wedding to somebody that I don't know. They're not that cool to me. Unless there's some way, shape, or form that I'm related, engaged, or, or I have a role in this wedding, I ain't going. And here we read that they simply got the invitation. They showed up. And then they get there and they run out of wine. And, and mama's like, hey, Jesus, fix it. He's like, no, it's not my time yet, mom. And the miracle takes place where Jesus turns the water into wine. The very first miracle that we see of Jesus took place simply because he was somewhere that he was invited to be. And the only way that the kingdom is going to flow through our life, and and we're part of the kingdom. I'm not discrediting, we're your part. You're part of the kingdom if you walk out of here. I start to say if you don't ever do anything else, but I believe that you're supposed to act and you're supposed to put your faith to work. But Jesus has you saved, amen? You're part of the kingdom. But there's so much more to be tapped into when we begin to invite the kingdom to come into our life and we begin to invite the kingdom to move through our life. When we just stop and we live, yep, I'm part of the kingdom of God. I'm, I'm saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, praise the Lord, living life like I'm supposed to. When we do that and that's the end of it, we are completely missing this whole other realm of faith that we're supposed to be exercising. And when we invite him to move in us and move through us, there's something special that takes place. And when I invite you to my house, you best believe I'm going to be prepared when you get there. I'm going to have thrown stuff in closets and cabinets and wherever I got to to make it look like it's put together. But you're going to realize I was ready for you to show up. I'm just being real. 
You know you do the same thing. Let it come. And Jesus says, he says, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Praise your name for who you are. And let your kingdom come. He said, let it come. And this just isn't just a prayer that Jesus is praying. This is his example prayer for the rest of time for you and for I. So it's not just a prayer that Jesus is praying like in the garden when he says, Father, Lord, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but your will be done. This isn't a prayer that we can pray like that. This is Jesus teaching his disciples how to pray. And he says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. That means that you and I are supposed to be praying We're supposed to be seeking that the kingdom would come and move and work in our life. And not only does he say, let it come, but he turns right around and says, your will be done. When I thought about this, the come is an action of God based on my, res- my initial action response. He's responding to me. If I invite you to come to my house, I acted, you responded. Amen? But he says, let your kingdom come, let your will be done. For something to get done, this is now an action of mine in response to God. For him to come is an action on him based on in a response to me. I've asked him, I've invited, he's coming, he's here regardless. For him, I'm talking about for him to come and work and move in my life and move through me and allow the kingdom of God to work through me, that the kingdom would expand through me, through you, through this body. Come is a response to my action. I invite him. I'm ready. I'm prepared. He can knock all day long. But until I open the door and I'm waiting, he's just going to stand there and knock. But to let it be done is now this action that's of me in response to him. Because everywhere you find the will of God in Scripture, you can look and you can, you can seek out the will of God. There's all these different actions. And it says, Paul writes about it a lot. He says, when, you, when you've completed the will of God or when you've sought the will of God or when you're doing your best to live out the will of God, all that is action from you and from I. That is now an action from, from us in response to God. And so the thought is to get it done. God's will's been established. God's will was established before Jesus entered into the earth. And still, he's there. He knows the plan. He knows what's going on. And and that night before he had to go through this terrible thing, he still says, Lord, if this can go away, let it go away. But not my will, but your will be done. He said, whatever your will is, I'm going to walk it out. Whatever your will is, Lord, as the sovereign God that you are, as the sovereign king that you are, here I am seeking, and I'm willing to walk out whatever that will is you have for my life. 
To get it done means that our, our action is the response to what God's asked for us. Done in its original language. When I think of something being done, I think of something that's been partially completed that needs to be finished. If my steak ain't done, it means it's been thrown on the grill and it's been started to be prepared and it's not finished. But in this original language, when Jesus is praying this, he said, Not, or he says, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The original language for the word done is actually to start or to come into existence. It's a beginning point, not just pick up where you left off or pick up and clean up the mess that was made. It's this beginning point of the conversation. And so he says, Lord, let your kingdom come and let your will be done. And when I, I thought about this, and I thought of how his mercies are new to me every day. My calling and my purpose is renewed the same way every day. I, I should be waking up each morning and saying, Lord, what is it that your will is for me today? It's got to be completed because we know to, to have something done is to have something finished. But Jesus' original words, what he's trying to portray is, Lord, let your will be done. Let it be started. Let it be ignited. Let it grow into something big. Let it, let it be the beginning of this revival within us. And here we get back to the idea, this is an example prayer that Jesus is praying. So this wasn't something that Jesus is teaching these disciples that was a one and done kind of thing. But he's saying daily for you and I. Don't pray these vain repetitions, but pray, Lord, your kingdom come. Let me be wide open to your kingdom to come. But not only that, but let your will be done in me every single day. Get it done. Romans 12, 2. In Romans 12, 2, Paul tells us, by renewing our mind, we now can understand the will of God. He says, don't be, too, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, and then you will have an understanding of the will of God. So we know that being kingdom-minded allows us now to understand what the will of God is. Maybe not always these clear black and white perfect directions that we can say, hey, Google, take us here and we go there. It's not always like that. But the steps of a righteous man are ordered, and as long as I'm walking in the steps God puts before me, and that's my focus, knowing that he's sovereign, then I'm walking in the will of God. And you and I are hard-headed. Maybe not you, but I know me. And we talked about last week living in a place that we're not even supposed to be living. And here we are, people of the kingdom living in this place of earth that we're, we're foreigners, we're aliens to the land. And we can't help but be influenced. 
We're supposed to be the influencers. But we can't help but be influenced. And so knowing the fact of knowing, knowing that we can't help but be influenced, you and I have got to daily say, Lord, let your will be done in my life. Put me back in alignment. You take your car to get it aligned. If not, it gets rough. I've been going to a chiropractor to get my back aligned. Over time, things get out of alignment. Things change. And if we're not careful, you and I get out of line. And so Jesus has given this example prayer that says, let your kingdom come, let your will be done. His will is established. It's been established. For he knows the plans that he has for you and I. He knows the thoughts he thinks toward us, plans to prosper, not to harm us. That was established a long, long, long time ago. So this let your will be done has nothing to do with God's will being done. It's us acting in response to his will. His plans, his purposes were established eternity ago. But now here we are and we have to respond and act in the will of God. And Jesus, as the great example, said, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. He could have turned his back. I believe that as 100% man, he could have turned his back just like you and I have the free will to turn our back on God. I believe he was here in, in man form and he had the opportunity to say, I'm done, be quiet and go get in a cave and hide somewhere. He walked out the will of God for his life. Paul tells us again in 1 Thessalonians 5.18 to give thanks in all circumstances. This is the will of God. We can find the will of God for our lives in his word. It's not always easy. It's not a quick, fast, in a hurry, open book answer always. Some days it's not even really written down in black or red. It's opening yourself up, again inviting, and being open for the Lord to allow you to hear his word, not what you're reading, but what he drops in your spirit through what you're reading. It's in his word. He said again in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, he says, this is the will of God, your sanctification. He said, the will of God is that you be different. Be different. My little badge, my key for Harnett County Public Schools is nothing like the badge 
that our Cumberland County Sheriff's deputy would put on their, their side. But there's something about putting on a badge that now identifies you as part of an organization and now gives you a certain bit of authority. I walked into school this week and been in and out of the school lots and lots of times. And there was an, a police officer there at the front desk. I've talked to this lady numerous times. Kind of hurt my feelings that she didn't know who I was and she didn't remember me. I thought, man, I've not been influential enough. And she started, like, giving us the side eye. And one of my buddies, one of the guys I work with, went down the hall to use the restroom in the office area. And she's like, wait, where's he going? And she starts saying, are you talking about us? Yeah, who are you? I got a badge around my neck, man. A county computer technician. I don't know you. Here you go. And when she saw my badge, I mean, just to be real with you, she hushed. There's something about a badge that identifies you with your organization. A police officer in uniform, I have a cousin that is a police officer in coats. We eat lunch regularly. And when we sit down at a table and he's dressed like I am, nobody cares. <laughs> he's just a guy. But when he puts on his uniform and we sit down to eat lunch, there will people, there, there's people that will walk up and thank him for what he does. There'll be people that walks up and they're like, hey, did you know so-and-so-and-so did so-and-so-and-so? There's people that are looking at us like they're ready to take us out because I'm sitting with the dude with the uniform on. But when he puts that uniform on with his left foot first, apparently he knows. Do y'all know which foot you put in your pants first every morning? You keep up with this? I separate my M&Ms by color on my, my napkin, but I sure don't know which foot I put in my pants first. <laughs> when he puts his uniform on in the morning and he walks out the door, he holds a different authority with the eyes of the public than he did when he walked out without it on. He had the exact same authority. Both cases, he wears his badge 24-7, he's got a gun on his side 24-7, and is sworn by law that if he sees something, he has to act and enforce the law, regardless of whether he's in uniform or not. But when he steps out and he's wearing that uniform, there's something that's different about him. And he is a pastor, he's a preacher, he's ordained in the church, but when he steps out and he's got on that uniform, I feel the Holy Spirit. There, there's something that's special about him, and he holds this certain authority. And people look at him in a certain way, and they know, you don't mess with Clay. You don't mess with him. There's, there's an authority that he holds. He walks a different way. He talks a different way when he's got on that uniform. 
And the will of God for your and my life is that we walk in the sanctification. We be different. When we're part of the kingdom, there should be something on our chest that says, I'm part of the kingdom. No, it's not going to be seen by everybody visibly to the naked eye. But when I get up and I walk out of my house in the morning, and I ain't promising you it happens every morning because I'm just like you are. But there should be something when I walk into a room that somebody says, whoa, something's different. There's something different about him. There's something going on. What, what is it that's different? Because I should walk in the authority. It's nothing to be ashamed of. It's nothing to be boastful about. I have to remain humble. But I walk in the authority that the same spirit of my risen king lives within me. And there's resurrection power within me. Freedom is within me. Amen? Get it done. Until we're intentional. And opening ourselves up to the kingdom. And walking out the kingdom that his will would be done through us and in us. It ain't going to be done. And Jesus has given us this model prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, praise your holy name. Your, your name be put above all of our names. Hallowed be your name. And God, let your kingdom come in me. Let your kingdom come through me. Lord, let your will be done by me. On earth, this dirty place that has been corrupt, God's creation was perfect was magnificent and here sin has corrupted the creation and so the way that his kingdom comes and the way that his will is done on earth is through you and I and he said let it be done on earth as it is in heaven God is sovereign and I can't wait one day to go and sit and watch. I'll probably be on my knees. I don't know that I'll be able to watch, but I want to. Watch the angels that have circled the throne for eternity. I told you last week, I'm not a dude that likes to do the same thing over and over and over. I can't wait to see that. Because forever and ever and forever and ever, they're doing the same thing. But not really. Because Scripture tells us that every time they circle, they see something new they've never seen before. That means that our God... We could circle him for an eternity. I don't know about you, but I might have a lifespan of 80, 85 years. Lord willing, 100. I don't know. Here on this earth. And in heaven right now, there's angels circling the throne. 
And they're figuring out something new they've never seen before. And they're crying, holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. And Jesus said that your kingdom would come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In heaven, there's no corruption. In heaven, God is sovereign. In heaven, he's the king. In heaven, there's constant worship. I can't wait to see the choirs of thousands and thousands, but then that's not all. There's thousands and thousands more. The place of worship. And Jesus said that our prayer better be that his kingdom would come and work in us and through us. And our prayer better be that we can walk out his will to get it done. That your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And as the church, would you stand with me? As the church... If you and I are not the troops on the ground on earth, how in the world is his will ever going to be done on earth as it is in heaven? How will earth ever look like heaven? The day's coming. When the new heavens and the new earth are coming, and the new Jerusalem, all that's been ordered, all, that's coming. One person compared this to speaking a new language. I want to learn Spanish so stinking bad. I wish I had hours and hours and hours to sit down and learn, but I don't have hours and hours to do what I got to do. I keep believing that the Lord's going to touch me and these people in this congregation are going to pray for me and I'm just going to start speaking Spanish. Hey, it's happened. Ask Melissa. I told Pastor Vicky that. She said, I'll be praying, I'll be praying. I said, pray for me. Let's do it. But when you learn a language, the best compliment you could ever receive is that you sound like a native. When you learn a language and you've got the language so down pat that you sound like the people that live there. I've been told I sound like a lot of things. I can typically say something that people know where I come from. But to be told we sound like a native. You and I are foreigners to this land doing our best to let the kingdom come to earth as it is in heaven, doing our best to walk out the will of God on earth as it's being done in heaven. If we could be looked at the day that Jesus says, hey, well done, good and faithful servant, we walk in and Peter said, man, you sounded like a native down there. What a compliment that would be to know that we're living in a lifestyle that is heaven on earth. It'll never be perfect while we're here on this earth. 
until the day that Jesus returns. It, it's never going to be without corruption. It's never going to be without pain. We, we can't be naive to think that. I'm not saying that. But we've been given the charge to live on earth as it is in heaven. And that's what this has been all about. Let it come and get it done. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I love you, Lord. Father, I thank you that you've entrusted us to be part of the kingdom. Father, I thank you for the authority that comes as being part of the kingdom. Lord, I thank you for the freedom that comes being part of the kingdom. Lord, in this morning, we understand the importance. God, and we understand that when we're being taught this prayer of how to pray, it wasn't a one-time thing that Jesus is teaching the disciples, but this is something that is for us. That we're to practice. That our heart's desire is to be that your kingdom would come and your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, we are your kingdom. God, and I pray that as part of the kingdom, our hearts would be convicted to walk out your will. To invite you to move in us. To invite you to move through us, God. To invite you to rock our world and shake us and change us, God, so that we could shake and we could change our world, our culture, our place that we live and breathe and work. God, that our life would be such an example that when we make it to, to the gates one day and we stand before you, Lord, our life wouldn't have to change a whole lot because we've already been living on earth as it is in heaven. Touch us, Lord.